Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 317. Got a fun one for you here. Brandon Lee Galton of Bleeding Green Nation and I, Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com, are going to draft, I guess, players uh, based on who we think is most likely to be taken by the Eagles with their first pick in the 2023 uh, NFL draft. And I think both Brandon and I are of the assumption that the Eagles are going to move at some point, whether that's up or down. Um, they could, of course, stick and pick, I guess, at 10. But when we make each of these picks, we'll also note whether uh, they move up, back, or stay put to get each of these guys. So that's what we have on tap. But before we get started, I know your favorite part of the episode and mine is hearing about where you can find the finest meat snacks in the land. The number one overall pick in your hearts and minds, Jimmy, is Righteous Felon Craft Turkey. Go to RighteousFelon.com, get the best possible meat snacks and non-meat snack options that they have at RighteousFelon.com. My favorite, uh, among my favorites, I should say, the habanero meat stick it's great it's the right amount of spice and flavor uh, i also love the darth garlic biltong which is tender um but plenty of good options you can check them all at righteousselling.com and use discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order but jimmy i can't delay anymore we have a huge show gigantic massive some would say a six foot nine sized episode <laughs> of the show which is my height and the same height that paul reed from the Sixers uh, is, and I tweeted out that picture on my Twitter. I don't know if you saw that, Jimmy at Brandon. Yeah, I did not. Um, but some people like to doubt that I'm really six foot nine. Um, but Paul Reed is listed. Oh, at you, are nine. you standing next to Paul Reed? Is yeah, that we're the standing next to each other, and we're the same height. He might like look a little bit taller than me because he has hair. I don't have hair, so if you're measuring <laughs> his hair, he's probably taller than me. Yeah, but like yeah. if we're going, you know, if we're not counting hair, which is kind of BS to me because your hair is not part of your height, right? It's like Chevy Chase in uh, Fletch, where yeah. he's like uh, he's dreaming, and he's, he's dreaming that he plays for the Lakers, and they're like uh, Fletch six three, and he's got a big afro too. Fletch mm-hmm. uh, in his dream, it's six three, but six nine with the afro. Right. I mean, I just I don't know. I, I don't know if that counts. But anyway, um, regardless, Jimmy, who's going to go first in this draft? Yeah, we should probably uh, figure that out, huh? You got a coin? I got a coin right here. Actually, I have. A Costa Rica coin. Ooh. So you, I don't know what I don't know what's heads or tails on this bad boy, but what's one on of there? them says a hundred colones. Ooh. And the other side says 
Republica de Costa Rica, 1997. Which okay. side do you want? I want the latter one. Republic Republica de Costa, de Costa Rica. Rica. Am I throwing this on the floor or can I do a little hand flip? I trust you. You do whatever right, you want. We're gonna here. Do hand flip. Jimmy's gonna flip it. I'll narrate it. You just flipped it. You put it right on his arm. And, and I get the first it. pick. Okay. And well, you get the choice <laughs> if you. Oh, right. A, a first pick or the choice. next two? Yeah. I'll take the first pick. Okay. I'm pretty confident with my first pick. Sure. Nolan Smith. Hmm. Edge Rusher, Georgia. And I think I'm confident with that pick because I think they can get him three different ways. They can be a stick and pick. You can get him at 10. I think there's, I think the lowest probability of them ending up with Nolan Smith is if they trade up. But I don't think that's like a totally out of the, uh, out of the, out of the, you know, realm of possibility scenario. Uh, and then I think they can also trade back potentially and land him there. I think he's kind of like a, a prospect that's all over the map for a lot of people, uh, mainly because he wasn't super productive at Georgia. You'd like to see more production from him, of course. At Georgia, they have so many defensive players <laughs> that it's impossible for those guys to put up ridiculous numbers in some cases. Uh, of course, you're looking at a team that had three guys on their defense get picked in the first round last year in Jordan Davis, in Trayvon Walker, and, oh, man, other defensive linemen went to the Packers. Can't remember his name. Devontae Wyatt uh, uh, last year. And then this year, uh, you, um, you're going to have him. You're going to have Jalen Carter go in the first round. Uh, you're going to have, I forget, mm, who am I missing here? doesn't matter. Who cares? They got a lot of good defensive players. Maybe the best defensive team, or at least one of one of the best defensive teams in the history uh, of college football uh, a year ago. And then, of course, they win the national championship again this year. So, yeah, I got Nolan Smith. You look at just what he is as a player again. Production isn't, like, eye-popping, but... His athletic measurables are insane. Guy ran a four three six. You, you like you put up all of his measurables up against Micah Parsons, mm-hmm. and he's more athletic. He has mm-hmm. better testing numbers than Micah Parsons, and in some ways, like Micah Parsons was Micah Parsons was like a better prospect as a player coming out of Penn State than Nolan Smith was. But he was also sort of a guy that was sort of projected to go maybe into the teens. Wound up getting picked what twelfth overall to the Cowboys. And this guy is a similar type of player in that I guess more he was more of an edge rusher than uh, Michael Parsons was. Michael Parsons did rush the passer, of course, but he was more of an he was more of an off ball linebacker in college. And then uh, the Cowboys were smarter than Penn State, and they just had go get the quarterback. <laughs> and uh, and in, in the NFL, it'll be a lot of uh, go get the quarterback for Nolan Smith. The, only, the drawback maybe with Nolan Smith is that the common comp that he's going to get is Hassan Reddick. Uh, and he, his best position in the NFL probably, or at least in what we perceive the Eagles defense will look like in 2023, is as a Sam linebacker, um, who's primarily going to rush the passer but drop into coverage on occasion. So, you know, why draft Hassan Reddick when you already have Hassan Reddick? Uh, but for me, it doesn't matter. You just get a guy who is who has extreme upside, and you're drafting for the next decade, not for 2023, and this guy, uh, for me, is and high character too. Like, oh, have you yeah. seen any interviews that he's done? Like this dude is a boss, and he's a dog, and he's a he's an extreme athlete. So I think he's, you know, a pretty safe pick if you get him. Again, whether that's a ten, you trade up a little bit, or you trade back. I made Nolan Smith the official draft prospect of Brandon Lee Gowton on Did Blue you Green Nation, okay. which is. Tell me if it means anything, because in 2021, that was Devontae Smith for me. 
mm-hmm. in 2022. That was Jordan Davis for me. In 2023, mm-hmm. it's Nolan Smith. Uh, the Eagles traded up for those previous two guys. So does that mean I'm going to go three for three? Yes, it does. And uh, <laughs> I think it's a good pick by you. I really think the Eagles are going to take one of three players. That's what I have kind of come down to. And he is mm-hmm. on that list for me that like, I just really think they're going to get one of three. Um, you touched on a lot of it, but I mean, why not have another Hassan Reddick? What would be so bad about right. that? It sounds awesome. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I'm not saying he would be, you know, that great from the jump, but even just, I, I love the, like, m- the mental image of two athletic pass rushers who aren't even like, you know, your traditional four, three defensive ends, like due to, especially in this modern NFL with more mm-hmm. quarterbacks who can kind of run around. How about guys who can just like chase after quarterbacks yeah. who aren't necessarily uh, just have to get to them in the pocket, but can like run around and make plays and create havoc. And I think Nolan Smith is that guy. And you brought up Micah Parsons and you talked about how, um, well, you know, with Parsons, Penn State didn't really have him rush the way the Cowboys did. And, and the Cowboys didn't until they had injuries. <laughs> um, right, right. And with Hassan Reddick, I've seen some people say like, well, it took time for him to develop. I don't know if that's totally true in that it feels like the Cardinals just misused him for a long yeah. time. They were playing him at like primarily off-ball linebacker. Uh, and he got better when they actually let him attack the quarterback. Uh, but we going back to the Parsons point, like I see so much about well, Nolan Smith is undersized. He's an, an inch taller than Hassan Reddick, and two pounds lighter at their mm-hmm. listed weight, and he's only an inch shorter and eight pounds lighter than Micah Parsons. So, okay. like you know, I don't think that's like worlds different. I don't think that's disqualifying. And honestly, sorry to make it this simple and reductive, but like. Watch the dude play. <laughs> dude is he's a dog, man. You said it. Like he really is though. Like I could just see he he fits the Eagles culture of, you know, these dudes are tough, like just guys you want to bet on. Like Jalen Hurts, Devontae. Like those are guys you bet on because you just he you know they're obsessed with being great. You know, like everyone kind of made fun of the Nick Sirianni thing with the tic tac toe or, or um uh what not tic tac toe, but uh <laughs> rock, paper, rock, scissors. paper, scissors, sorry. <laughs> That's a funny slip. Um, <clears throat> but, like, I bet you Nolan Smith is super competitive when it comes. Like, this dude wants to freaking win. You just see it. Like, the energy he plays with, it's infectious. And, by the way, on the stats point, um, shout out to at Greg Hart, PA, uh, you know, BGN commenter here um, who tweeted this out. Top run stop rate. Um, yeah. He, oh, he can set an edge, that guy, for sure. Like, by far. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. And his sack rate, only uh, second is 3.3%. That's only second to um, Will McDonald. Or sorry, it's third. It's behind Will McDonald and Isaiah Foskey. Mm-hmm. Um, his pressure rate is only second behind Will Anderson, who, you know, could be a very, right. very high pick. So, like, I'm not worried about the stats at all. I mean, this dude is a beast. I think he would be... I mean, just think about the, the top four of Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat and Nolan Smith. Like those yeah. dudes are getting after the quarterback all day. And because of Nolan Smith's, I think, unique size, you know, I don't want him dropping into coverage all the time, but you can, like with Reddick, you can do some unique things with him from time to time. And I think if you want to kind of get a little bit creative. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great pick by you in terms of something that they would do. And I also think it is what they should do. So I like the pick. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you would be number one on your board as well. Uh, but yeah, like you, in my final Eagles only mock draft each of the last two years, I had Devonte mm-hmm. and Jordan Davis. So we're both very smart. Is the big takeaway here, uh, listeners of BGN Radio? Very, very smart. 
I think I like to think of it as we bullied <laughs> Howie Roseman into doing the obvious thing. It wasn't even like these are like galaxy brain picks by us. It's like, <laughs> right. this makes they're sense. Pretty, they're pretty easy players to, to project to the Eagles. For and sure. I think a lot of the fans obviously got behind it too. But it's yeah. just like, do the obvious thing. Don't overthink it. Just take right. the really good freaking, you know, like intriguing player who played for an amazing team in college. Like, don't overthink it. And I think that this falls in the same category. Like, Jalen yep. Carter seems awesome. Like, that is a guy I would bet on. Because there's no short things here. You know, there's always some level of projection projection here. Uh, I think Nolan Smith is a dude I feel comfortable betting on. Like, if I took him and he didn't work out, I would not be kicking myself. I'd be like, well, uh, maybe it didn't work out. Uh, but, you know, I, I liked a lot of the things about him going into the pick. I'm curious right. if you think there's anything to be said for, you know, him playing alongside N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis. You know, those guys having a lot of experience playing together. I don't know how much it matters with... Jordan Davis, because he's doing mm-hmm. his own thing, you know, in the trenches or whatever, but playing alongside Nicobe Dean, they have experience playing with each other. They're both young players. I don't know how much that matters, you know, having that uh, experience together in, in college. What do you think about that? I don't think it can hurt, um, but I'm going to segue this into my topic here because okay. this, is, <laughs> this is where I think it will matter more. And this is actually the number one player on my board. It was not Nolan Smith. Although oh, I love really? Him, okay. But I just think. So I erred in uh, choosing the first overall pick then instead mm. of taking the instead of taking picks two and three. Uh, potentially, I'm going to take Jalen Carter. Okay. I think I think it's going to be tough for the Eagles to get him. I really do because I look at five and six there in terms of the Seahawks and the Lions, mm-hmm. and I think those are teams that I don't think they want to trade down because they think in their minds probably at least like hey you know. Well, the Seahawks made the playoffs, and the Lions are really close. I don't mm-hmm. think they're like we need the to NFC trade down. Stinks. Yes, <laughs> I don't. I don't think they're. It's not like they're the teams who were originally picking there, the um, Broncos and the Rams. Like those teams yeah. might be like, well, we need more picks. Well, especially yeah. the Rams. So we're willing to trade down. Like we're not one player away. Right. I think the, the Seahawks and the Lions are more inclined to think we're well, we're one difference maker, and Jalen Carter could be that difference maker yeah. in their minds away. So I. I have a really hard time seeing him get by there. But if he does, if he gets to seven, I think seven is the range where the Raiders are picking, where the Eagles might be able to move up there. The Raiders do some weird things, and mm-hmm. uh, I think they could kind of get swindled a little bit by Howie and how he could jump up into that number seven spot and take Jalen Carter. Uh, or somehow, like you were talking about with kind of wide outcome range, it's possible Jalen Carter could fall if it comes down to there, you know, being some concerns about um, off the field things. And the Eagles mm-hmm. seem uniquely qualified to take a chance on him, given the strength of their team in terms of, I think, you know, Dom DeSandro and the work that he does and Nicobe being here and Jordan Davis being here. I'm a player who literally played right next to uh, Jordan Davis. Uh, I, I do think, to push back against my own point real quickly, the fact that like people talk about the Eagles having a good culture and stuff like this. I think there's some chicken or the egg there. Um, not the restaurant, which we were talking mm-hmm. about before the show, <laughs> but like, they're like, well, the Eagles never have issues with that stuff. And I think, well, yeah, that's in part because they don't really take on those guys a ton. Um, so I think that's part of it. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I think the Eagles would be willing to take the risk on Jalen Carter. I mean, yeah, he's like the number one. A lot of people have him as the number one prospect in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a lot of issues, as you mentioned. Uh, he's not responsible for the death of, you know, the, the, he was racing cars, which is extremely irresponsible. 
and somebody some uh two people died right from was it two people died mm-hmm. from uh from in a crash um jordan uh excuse me uh carter uh evidently you know was dishonest about uh you know his whereabouts uh at the time of that crash got yanked out of the combine had to go home to georgia um you know go to court and then went back to the combine uh after uh i think he posted bail or whatever so i mean there's a lot to sort through uh in terms of his character and even before that incident the McShay, Todd McShay of ESPN mm-hmm. had alluded to potential character concerns and got a lot of crap for it. Um, and kind of rightfully so, because he didn't, wasn't specific about what exactly they were just to throw out those character concerns without, you know, kind of getting into more detail is kind of BS to me, but uh, it turns out maybe some of that stuff was legit. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a risk that you have to take. And as you mentioned, the Eagles have one of the best in the business in terms of security detail and information and uh, connections with, uh, you know, law enforcement nationwide in Dom DeSandro. So uh, if there is a team that I believe can dig up the necessary information that they need to, it is Philadelphia. And uh, yeah, I think they uh, are willing to take a shot on a guy like him when they already have such a good locker room culture in place. Uh, shout out to our good friend Noah Becker, who had kind of tweeted some things recently about like he he feels like you know if they he said something to the effect if the Eagles are sitting at ten on draft day, then he thinks they have a good chance, almost like Carter or Anderson or whoever, because mm-hmm. he thinks like that means they think they can trade up or or else I guess he's thinking like they would trade down before that point. Um, and you know I I do think Howie you know has a good sense of these things before they happen. So oh, one of the best things he does is knowing who's going right. where in the draft. Yeah, exactly. So something to keep an eye on in that regard. Just an interesting thought that I thought. No, like if they're there. like you know how like there's that mock draft uh, website. Yeah. Where it grades mock drafts, mm-hmm. Howie would win that every year. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah, he knows. As I as you would expect any GM to, <laughs> but I think he mm-hmm. would be like. The goat at that. Yeah. It might, you might miss a couple picks like, you know, totally off the wall, <laughs> but for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Um, now I will pick my second pick. Okay. Uh, and this is rounding out my top three. Like the top three is the big three for me. I think, I really think the Eagles are going to take, it just has, for some reason it's crystallized in my mind that the Eagles are going to take either Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, or another player from Georgia, Roderick Jones. I okay. think some, and that's, this is probably more potentially likely a trade down, small trade mm-hmm. down here than it is at 10, not impossible at 10 to me. Um, certainly is not going to be a pick that gets people excited, <laughs> but, but. Oh, people will be pissed. And, I had him in my, in my last Eagles only mock draft and people were pissed. Un- understandably <laughs> not so. Pissed, but they're like, screw you. You don't know anything. Well, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not, it's objectively not a fun thing to, you know, right. have your, your t- potential you know top 10 ish pick not even potentially playing in 2024 or sorry 2023 for a team that has strong super bowl aspirations and could use some more help now but as we talked about in our last episode where you know you were hearing buzz from the combine that offensive tackle offensive line is is definitely a realistic possibility Mm -hmm. uh in the first round and the fact that they don't have a like surefire option right now behind Jordan Mailata at left tackle, let alone mm-hmm. no sure, no sure right tackle of the future. Um, you know, with Lane potentially 
you know, retiring and maybe sooner than later. Uh, and by the way, Jack Driscoll, who is around, is a free agent after 2023. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, moving parts there. And I think Broderick Jones makes a lot of sense for what the Eagles value in offensive linemen. Um, he doesn't have elite size, but he's big enough. And he uh, is very athletic. Uh, I, he's, he only turn, he doesn't turn 22 until May, so he's young. Mm-hmm. And he lacks experience. He only has uh, 15 of his 19 total starts. Georgia came last season. But I think if you're looking at where value kind of lines up and where the Eagles might be able to get like more value than other teams. I think Jones, let me put it this way. I think Jones is worth more to the Eagles potentially than other teams, because if you have to play Broderick Jones, you're one right away from the jump. That might not be as smooth of a transition as a spot where the Eagles feel like they can kind of rest him or like develop him. um, uh, Given his lack of playing experience and given his younger age. And I feel like they think like, okay, this is going to be a premium prospect that we can kind of get and groom here. And I think uh, he is certainly going to be on their radar. Yeah, that's well said. The point that I'll add is you look at the two disaster seasons that the Eagles had have had in the last 10 years. Well, 10, I guess 11 years, uh, 2012, when they just had a totally decimated uh, offensive line like you know we you and I went through some of the players that they had to play that year on one of our previous podcasts like uh Demetrius Bell Big love guy oh wait sorry Danny no, Watkins played got, Danny Watkins got some starts that year yeah uh Jake Scott was that his name yep uh who else Dallas Reynolds wow Jason Kelsey got hurt like week one or two that year towards ACL Dallas Reynolds J- Dallas Reynolds was their starting center and then you look at 2020 when they had, uh, you know, the guy fixing his gloves mm-hmm. <laughs> while Carson Wentz is running around in the background, in the, in the backfield. Uh, what was his name? The, the glove fixer guy? We did this last podcast, too. We forget. Yeah. I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. doesn't matter. Um, those two those two seasons got head coaches fired. Andy Reid got fired, of course, after the 2012 season. Doug Peterson gets fired after the 2020 season. So they, the Eagles are very mindful of – how just and you look at the Rams last year. The Rams are coming off the Super Bowl in you know coming off a Super Bowl win in 2021. Their offensive line just gets absolutely destroyed early in the season, and subsequently Matt Stafford gets destroyed. He's out for the year. Cooper Cup goes out for the year. Uh, they just have injuries all over the place. But that's all started with their offensive line because they didn't have any depth. The Eagles don't have any offensive line. They have Jack Driscoll. They, that's that's their offensive line depth right now. If you look at their depth chart. You know, from left to right, we all know who the starters are with Cam Jurgens likely filling in at right tackle for Isaac Samalo. But then it's Jack, it's Jack Driscoll probably fills in, is the first guy off the bench no matter who goes down. Uh, and may not fill in directly for them, but mm-hmm. is the first guy off the bench in any scenario. And then after him, what do you got? Like you have Sue Opeta, who got demoted last year. You have Brett Toth, who didn't play at all last year at ACL. Barely played at all in the NFL, like borderline roster guy. I think it's being undersold a little bit how important that depth is to specifically to the Eagles. They care a lot about that. And then, as you mentioned, of course, you know, they do need an eventual replacement for Lane Johnson, who has said he wants to play two more years. Uh, I think he'll stick to that, Uh, but they got to replace two offensive linemen uh, in the near future two two hall of fame, offensive linemen in the near future in Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. And if you don't have offensive line, if you don't draft them, you're not getting them in free agency. Unless like you wildly overpay for them, 
or like you just have like a hope. And like we mentioned in the previous podcast, Andre Dillard got like just under 10 million per year. He's got nine starts. 27, I think. (laughs) I think it was three for 29. So he's like 9.7 million per year. He's got nine starts in four years in the NFL, some of which were disasters. And that Mm -hmm. guy's making 10 million a year. Big V got a like yeah. a ten million dollar per year contract. Like these are the kinds of guys that are getting absurd money in free agency. So either draft them, or you're going to be caught with your pants down. So I think that offensive line is a very, very under discussed possibility for the Eagles. With that, I didn't have Broderick Jones that high on my on mm. my uh, on my board, but I think I had him one, two, three, four. I had him sixth, mm. uh, but I don't think you're wrong to have him that high. I think that's a a very real possibility for them. Well, I think part of it is I just think the Georgia, like the Georgia thing is in my mind. I just think like they're gonna why not draft another <laughs> Georgia player from mind? Georgia? Like, well, just why not do it? You know, like it's. I think when in doubt, just keep picking like top prospects from these really <laughs> good fish. schools. Yeah, yeah and, and Broderick Jones, <laughs> like we just talked about the Georgia offensive line or sorry defensive line earlier, how good they are and talented. This is who they're just going up against every day in practice. I feel like you know that's only going to make him better as a player and a prospect. Like he's facing. NFL level competition already, and I just think that uh, he's he is a very high ceiling. Like, I don't think he, uh, again, <clears throat> just to put it succinctly, think he has more value to the Eagles than he might other teams because of the unique situation that the Eagles are kind of in there. Whereas all these other teams towards the top, like maybe might need tackles or, or don't can't really afford to add someone and sit him for a year. Uh, so who's your next two picks? Or so wait, I will go. We wait, why don't here. we take a break Sorry. here? Yeah. That was a little tease. We'll take a break, but not before we hear about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky really quickly. Once again, RighteousFelon.com. If you want to help support the podcast, which is free, uh, you can help support our sponsors. They would really appreciate it. Local business um, based in Westchester. And um, it's great. The Eagles use it. The, The players, they snack on it. So it's just kind of a logical connection. And if you haven't given it a try, you should with discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Jimmy, back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy has two picks. Who's he going to take? I'm going to go with both corners, and I'll wow. just talk about them uh, concurrently here. Uh, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon mm. and Devin Witherspoon 
of Illinois. I don't think Weatherspoon's getting taken at 10. He's 181 pounds and he runs a 4.43. He ran a 4.43 at his pro day. Those are not measurables that typically get taken <laughs> for a cornerback that typically get taken in, in the in the top 10. Uh, I love his game though. Like he is he is as fun a prospect in this draft as there is to watch. I mean, just his feistiness is uh his cockiness. He is a dog <laughs> just, as well. <laughs> like he will come up and smack uh running backs, wide receivers. I mean the the one highlight, I forget who they were playing, but there was a little swing pass uh to a running back and he just comes in and destroys him Sheldon Brown style, uh Sheldon Brown uh, uh Reggie Bush style and like he's just as a as a cover corner, very sticky and just I love him. Like I I just love watching this guy play. You're not taking him at 10 though. So if you do take him, you're going to trade back uh potentially I think he's a, a legit pick in the teens. I think if you're going to take a guy like that, you better get some extra picks um, in, you know, third, fourth round, whatever it may be. And then you take him somewhere in the teens. Christian Gonzalez is a guy that I don't think is going to be there at I 10. Agree. I think he gets taken before that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they'll trade up for a cornerback. Also, agree. But if he's there, if he does somehow slide back uh, to the Eagles, then it's a pretty... I don't want to say it's a super easy decision to take him because you just you were able to bring back James Bradbury. You reworked a new deal for Darius Slay. Bradbury will be here three years. Slay will probably be here at least two. Um, Slay's 32 years old, though. Bradbury's going to be 30 in what, August, I think? So you got two old, you got an old quarterback. You have an old cornerback tandem there. And you're going to have to, you know, sort of fill in some, you know, younger players to fill up that cornerback pipeline. Uh, but how long can you have a guy sit when you're taking when you take him top ten, and he could potentially sit for two years? The Eagles have been really lucky, really, uh, in terms of not having cornerbacks get hurt the last few years. Poor Zach McPherson <laughs> gets taken, and you know yeah. he's going to be the first guy off the bench at outside corner. Um, if somebody goes down and they slay and, and Bradbury and, and before that, Steven Nelson just have stayed healthy. They've, they've pretty much started. I think they've started every game, uh, for the Eagles over the last two years, uh, except for the, you know, the meaningless game mm-hmm. at the end of the 2021 season. Uh, and McPherson just hasn't had a chance to play. So we don't, we don't even know if like he may, for all we know, he can play too, but we just right. don't know. So, uh, Gonzalez isn't a great cornerback. Isn't a great fit necessarily. I think they're going to take a cornerback for sure at some point during this draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at 10, tougher to do. Again, Witherspoon isn't worth that pick to me. And Gonzalez probably isn't going to be there. But um, they are going to take a cornerback at some point. And Gonzalez is, I mean, he's got everything you want. And traits wise, like, he's 6'1. He ran, what, a 4'3'8, 4'3'6, something like that uh, at the combine. And you can just see the way that he moves on the field that um he can he can run with anyone in the NFL and he's got the size to cover uh anyone in the NFL so i think you know there's some uh you know work to be done technique wise and he's got a little growing to do in the NFL and you know maybe that year where he's just a backup at cornerback for a little while could do him some good uh but again i i think that uh and he probably is going to be there, but uh, he'd be. It, it's a talented player that that's certainly worthy of that tenth overall pick, where a lot of these other prospects, I believe, are not. 
Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong, but I just don't think they're going to take a corner uh, with their first pick. That's they, they. I had these guys a little bit lower on my board. I had mm-hmm. uh, Devin Witherspoon at five and then Gonzalez at seven. Okay. Um, I think part of it, you kind of just touched on it, the commitment to Slay and Bradbury, and I know they're older, but still that's at least one season and possibly two. Yeah. And then not that like you're not drafting a top corner because you signed Greedy Williams, but the combined presence of Greedy and Zach McPherson, you kind of might have a backup just from those two already. Like, and then, you know, you added Josh Job last year. Again, these aren't guys you like who you have and you're like, oh, we're not going to draft someone. Right. You're not hitching your wagon to them necessarily. Yeah. But yeah. it's also just like, I don't, I don't know that you really need to. I think it's, this is different than the offensive line thing where you don't like need to groom a corner like that. I think it's a little bit more reasonable to do that with the line because of how, like, what you just outlined basically, like at length and how valuable of a position and how specifically the Eagles identify with that. Um, so, I don't tend to think that's as, as much realistic. And from a standpoint, too, if I agree with you that I think Gonzalez is just going to be gone, I think in any kind of mock situation, it's just easy to find like a landing spot for him before 10. And I mm-hmm. agree. I don't think the Eagles are going to trade up for him. With Weatherspoon, or Witherspoon, uh, more possible. And do, definitely, like him and Nolan Smith are like the like the all-time dogs in this class, I feel yeah. like. Guys who, like, Nick Sirianni would love to have on this team. Guys who fit. Philly fans would immediately fall in love with Witherspoon. Yes. Uh, so I get that. And I and I do like him. But, <clears throat> oh, and Gonzalez, by the way, could be the Eagles' first zero, uh, carrying that over from Oregon. So mm-hmm. there you go. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen. But Pac-10. Um, I know people don't like that about him. Mm, that's <laughs> definitely true. Uh, I'm going to go to Pac-12, whatever. Either way, uh, do you have anything else, or are you ready for my two picks? No, you can go. I'm going to take Peter Skaronsky, who I'm surprised okay. you didn't take with one of these two picks, because now I'm really yeah. cornering the market here on offensive line, uh-huh. um, and Paris Johnson. Um, okay. So really, again, I really, I'm happy with this. This might not work out for me, but I'm happy, in theory, taking the top, I think, three offensive tackles they could realistically yep. take. Uh, there's another one, I guess that they could, but I'm gonna get to him after we do. The yeah, draft, he's not. They're not taking him. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, uh, Skronsky, the thing, the book on him, you know, is or some would say he's the best offensive lineman uh, in this class. I was reading Tommy Lawler, uh, his latest mock draft for EaglesBlitz.com, and he had Skronsky to the Eagles at ten. And I was looking at some others, and that's kind of seemingly kind of catching on a little bit here. Um, yeah. Another guy who could potentially go before ten, but uh, if he's there. I don't know that we know for sure that the Eagles are like definitely comfortable with Cam Jurgens playing right guard in 2023. Okay. I think it's possible they are, but I don't I don't think it's like out of the question that he might not play there, which I think is frustrating and annoying, especially because like Who's to say Jason Kelsey can't return again next year? Like the way he's <laughs> this is our beef with the pick when they made it last exactly. year. Exactly. Even I'm, though he's even though he turned out to be like awesome in the preseason right. games, hundred percent. And I and I've said it. I was like, Kelsey's playing at an all pro level. And he looks great, and he I know he goes year to year, but like, I don't I don't see why he can't play like multiple more seasons. And yeah. he's tough as anyway. Um, that's not part of it. That's whatever. Like we can talk about that when it happens. But in terms of the activity here. Uh, so you could put Skaronsky or at least have him compete with Cam Jurgens. You could kind of hold a competition there and they could compete for the right guard job if you want to do it that way. And then you have a potential future right tackle of the future uh, for Lane Johnson there. 
I do think uh, that kind of when we talk about that, I don't think that ever actually happens. It seems because like you remember you talked about Lean as the potential mm-hmm. um, uh, like left tackle of the future, but right stayed at right tackle for, for for JP. Yeah, Landon Dickerson was potentially was Jason Kelsey's replacement when they got, <laughs> until he stuck at guard. Isaac until, Sayamalo before him, <laughs> and so that's what I think happens. Though I think these guys get set, and I don't, I'm not knocking it to be clear, but I just think yeah. when we talk about like future thing, it doesn't really happen. I think they kind of just get into their spot and they stick there and that's fine. Yeah. Um, I just had him, I guess not higher. And I had Jones higher ultimately, because I think the, the guard thing might be tough. Like it, it's kind of tough to take a guard. Uh, I know he can play tackle and has the, well, he played tackle. He was yes. a tackle at Northwestern. He's yeah. but he's six, four and he's got 32 inch arms. So he's very, probably going to be a guard in the NFL, very short arms. So I just, I think they're going to move him inside. Um, and I think it's just tough to take a guard, I know with with tackle versatility helps, yes, more than just like a pure guard. But I mm-hmm. think it's a little tough, which is why I have him uh, at number uh, – where did I have him? I have him at fourth on my board. So not super low, but I couldn't get him into that top three over mm-hmm. someone like Broderick Jones because of that. Um, so, But, you know, I think a good player and one who, again, would not excite, I think, a lot of people and thrill a lot of people, but I think would be a very Eagles pick. I see that as realistic. And Paris Johnson is someone they brought in for a pre-draft visit uh, as well. And I think early, yes, I think one of the first couple, um, and is going to be on their radar. So I just threw him here in the mix as well. Again, cornering the market here on the tackles in this draft. I like that strategy. Mm-hmm. Skaronsky, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just the value of a guard, like it's, I think the value of a guard at pick number 10 is higher on the totem pole than the value of taking a running back. At pick number 10, but Agree. I look at that position and I go, you know, next 10 years, how many more games do you win? Right. Because that guy, because you have a, because you picked a guard at top 10. And I don't know the answer to that. But I guess they don't, <laughs> they don't really think about it that way, right? They yeah. Think about I guess. Like, again, they think of more of what you said about, well, what if our offensive line isn't good? Then people yeah. are getting fired. I think that's how they think about it. Yeah. He reminds me a little bit. Remember Justin Pugh? Sure. To the Giants Counts in the first round in the teens. Uh, yeah. What, what did he go to Syracuse? I think. Um, anyway, he, I think he's still in the league. I think he, I think he started for the Cardinals last year, Yep. but uh, they drafted him uh, to be a tackle that quickly didn't work out. And he moved to guard and he was fine there. And he's had a long career. Skronsky is going to be a better, is a better prospect than Pew was back in the day. Mm-hmm. I wonder where he's going to go. Cause I, I wonder if, uh, you know, if the Eagles pass on him, how far does he slide? Like, does he get drafted after guys? Because he's a better player, most people agree, than Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones. But those guys are tackle. Like, those guys are going to be tackles in the NFL. Whereas, I think the Titans could conceivably take him. They need offensive okay. line help at 11. And they, they took they uh, Chance Warmack. <laughs> Different regime, of course. Yep. But they did take a, a guard top 10 uh, a few years back. That did not work out for them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the value of a, of a guard is in the, in the first round I get, or excuse me, top 10. I get like, I, I get, uh, certainly I'm on board fully with build along your offensive line. And that's how like the Eagles won. The Eagles won a Super Bowl because of their offensive line five years ago. They almost mm-hmm. won another Super Bowl again because of their offensive line in 2022. Other things helped of course, but mm-hmm. offensive line being a big component. So yeah, I mean, I get all that. And, uh, I think you're smart to corner the market there. I I would rank offensive linemen here: Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, 
than Skronsky. Mm. Paris Johnson, by the way, has versatility. Like he played both guard and tackle uh, at Ohio State. So if you if you want him to play guard early, and then as as you mentioned, like you know, it doesn't always work out that way. But in theory, kick out to right tackle whenever Lane Johnson retires. That makes sense. Um, I think there's also some optionality, by the way, too, of of a guy playing left tackle and Jordan Mailata moving over to right tackle at some point. I don't think they'll do that, but you know, I think that possibility exists, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, offensive line kind of important. Real quick on Johnson. Cause I didn't note this um, six foot six uh, and three eighths long arms opposite of a Skaronsky, 36 mm-hmm. and one eighth inch. That's he is. So that's so long. In fact, that um, since 2000, Pro Football Focus. Only 19 tackles have measured in with arms over 36 inches in the pre-draft process. So, uh, Paris Johnson is one of those. So that's a uh, you know that's that's an intriguing trait. Yeah, uh, that he has there. He can't teach long arms, Brandon. That's right. Um, I remember once upon a time you drew some pictures of Eric Fisher's arms, right? Uh, constantly getting longer. Uh, is that true? It was no. It it was Trent Brown, I think. Mm, oh no, okay. no, no, I think you might be right about it. so somebody's arms shrunk from yeah. the senior bowl to the combine. And like <laughs> uh yeah. So I, you know, kinda did a timeline by the time you know, by twenty whatever his arms are gonna be like an inch. Also put up uh <laughs> twenty nine reps with those. That it's so That's impressive. It's, especially with long it's it's Look, I'm no scientist, but I know this as someone who's taller uh, and yeah. not has never been great historically at bench pressing. Like it's yeah. taller, it's harder to lift, do the bench Same. press specifically when you have long arms. Um, so for him to put up 82 or he's 82 percentile, 29, that's good. Like it's he, good. Yeah, like Darren Sproles put up like 20 something reps on yeah. the bench press because he's got short arms. Right, and it's exactly easier what for I mean. Him. Exactly. Yeah. So for him to have long, like he's this dude is strong. Also 84 percentile broad jump. There's some athleticism there. Um, deep, good height. Yeah, like I mentioned, over six six. Um, yeah. So another another guy who would not be exciting, but certainly uh, could be worth taking in terms of fortifying the offensive line. But, the knock on him is, uh, and it's not it's not on the same level as Andre Dillard, but mm-hmm. the knock on him is anchor. Like you can you can push him back into the pocket. Yeah, he is uh, a little bit you're not, lighter. You're not gonna like you're not gonna dust him with speed around the edge. Uh, it actually is a little susceptible to like inside moves. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, in terms of inside moves and and uh, just getting pushed back in the pocket, that's where there's some concern area with him. But again, a guy that if you're sitting, you know, maybe you, he can afford him the time to kind of get in an NFL and and, and the Statlin argument yeah. there too, yep. of course, and uh, bulk up a little bit, and you have Statlin. So yeah, another guy who might have higher value to the Eagles than other teams. But uh, Jimmy, let's take another break here, but we get before we get to our final three picks, and then the notable players not drafted in our mm-hmm. in our the undrafted free agents of our little game here uh but first why don't you tell us about Kristen roach of roach realtors and roach realtors.com eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five is where you can call or text Kristen roach of roach realtors if you are looking to buy or sell your home and it's gorgeous out to like this week and i think so she's been slammed like she's shown a ton of houses uh, just actually listed a few as well. Um, and this is the time of year where people start looking around at houses. And if you are, I mean, even if you're just, you know, interested in sort of determining what the value of your home is, uh, she can do some comp. She can run like some comparables 
uh, to you know other home sales in your area and give you an idea of what your house could sell for if you were to put it up. No cost to you for that. No big deal. Uh, just, you know, down the line, if you do go to sell your house, user. Anyway, again, 856-906-9295. Brandon? Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Roach Realtors. Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Eight five six Back here on BGN Radio, we're going to round out the draft with Jimmy's, what, your final two picks here? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, again, I'm going to do kind of the same thing that I did with the, you know, cornerback tandem. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with two more trade-up options. Okay. You had Jalen Carter before. And I'm going to take the other two potential trade-up options, which are Will Anderson mm. of Alabama and Tyree Wilson okay. of Texas Tech. Uh, so, to me, the two real trade-up options are Jalen Carter and uh, Will Anderson. And the more realistic one is Jalen Carter, which is why he went second overall to you. <laughs> well, Anderson is going, what, seventh, eighth overall in this in our little mock draft here? Yeah. Um, but stud, Ed Drusher. Uh, very high character. Had, like, I don't know, I don't know, off the top of my head, I don't know what his stats were in 2021. They fell off a little bit in 2022, but he was a star. Uh, like, huge production in 2021. But he's thought to be... Like he was at one point kind of thought to be the number one prospect in this draft. And Jalen Carter sort of took that over at some point. Um, if you exclude the quarterbacks, of course. Uh, but yeah, uh, Will Anderson is basically plug and play. You put him in there and he's going to be part of your pass rush rotation immediately from day one. Same sort of argument that we made with Nolan Smith before where you have, you know, Hassan Reddick, you have Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, and instead of, Nolan Smith, you have Will Anderson in there. And Will Anderson is a much more highly rated prospect than Nolan Smith, but awesome player. Um, the trick is, where do you get him? Like, where does he go? I think most people have him going number three to the Arizona Cardinals. But what if, say, the Titans trade up to pick number three? And quarterbacks go one, two, three, four to the... Uh, Panthers are one, Texans two, in that scenario, Titans three, and then it, uh, the Colts four. What if quarterbacks go one, two, three, four? Who goes at five? Is it Jalen Carter? Is it Will Anderson? And then who goes you know, to the Lions at six? Again, I don't know that those teams are interested in trading back at that point. And if they are... Maybe the cost is like too out of control because they don't want it. They don't want to pass on one of these, you know, elite type prospects to move back to. I mean, you and I both kind of view that tenth overall pick as something of like a no man's land in this particular draft. So, do you want to move back if you're Seattle or Detroit or Las Vegas from five, six, seven to ten? I don't know, but. Um, there is a scenario where, where Will Anderson doesn't, does not go top four. And if, you know, he, I mean, he's as clean as pro- a prospect as you're going to find in this draft non quarterback. So if you're the Eagles and you're willing to trade 
30 and 10 and maybe change to go up and get that guy. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. I don't know. And then to a lesser degree, Tyree Wilson, who was really just kind of like um, uh, like a size uh, athleticism freak, um, you know, really kind of uh, took his game to another level in 2022, uh, originally played for Texas A&M, transferred to Texas Tech. Uh, but he's like he's a guy that's been sort of heavily mocked to, I guess, what, the Lions at six? Um, maybe I, the I saw Lance Zerline say the Texans could take him at two if oh, Bryce Young is taken me. at one. But... Well, Zerline's like a, a plugged into the Houston market, so I would for not, sure he, that's where he lives. Yeah, like that's not coming out of nowhere. And yeah. I think it is possible that the Texans don't necessarily like love Stroud, like, or or like they might not love like the second best quarterback. They might love like the top guy and then not be into the rest. I don't know. I'll tell you who would love that. Everyone picking from five to ten. Sure. <laughs> like, holy crap, Tyree Wilson went mm-hmm. went two? Awesome. Uh so yeah, anyway, um, I think to a lesser degree he could be an Eagles target. Certainly fits the profile of um, you know, the type of player that they need and like. So um, but yeah, certainly I, I would say that Jalen Carter is the number one trade up option, uh, followed by Will Anderson and then Tyree Wilson. I feel like Wilson could kind of slip to 10 unexpectedly. If someone was going to slip out of the top yeah. other than Carter for obvious reasons, but like someone like who everyone thought was going to be uh, off the board, but somehow still is, I feel like for some reason, Wilson could be that guy to me, even though I just said, <laughs> their line said he might go at two. Uh, Anderson. Yeah. I think is definitely, you know, Anderson would have to be almost like, you know, like the Netherlands Noel to take it to back to basketball. Like this, you know, guy who thought everyone thought was going to go number one. Obviously, that's not the case this year because quarterbacks going to go one, um, but unexpectedly slips as well further than expected. Uh, I did have Anderson tenth on my board. I did not have Wilson on my board because um, I'm guessing like I, the 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 line thing was in my head, and I was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put him on my board. Um, so I think those are good picks by you to cover. They're like cover your base in case of you know a trade up kind of thing. Yeah, uh, and I think. This is the position. These are the edge rusher was the remaining positions. The, the, the players on my board remaining were edge rushers. Um, um, yeah, so I know where you're going with your last pick here. Who am I going to take, Jimmy? You're going to take, and I hate this player <laughs> at a 10, Lucas Van Ness. I'm not going to take him. Oh, you're not? Okay. I, he was on my board right behind the player I am going to take. And to be clear, I agree. I do not want to take Lucas Van Ness. I mean, the dude didn't even start. Like, I know Iowa <laughs> does things a specific, like, I get it, but like, at a, like, again, simple level, like I said earlier, take the good players from the big programs. Not saying you can't draft a player from Iowa, but I'm saying you're drafting a guy who didn't even start at Iowa. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't overthink this. And it's I think way too getting, much projection with him as a player. Yes. You're getting a little too cute. And for the Eagles specifically, I don't think that makes sense. Like, again, for a team that's more ready to compete now, like if you're a team like the Texans, maybe at 12, maybe you take Lucas Van Ness. Because you, can, you you might need to take a bigger swing and kind of get lucky or whatever um, and go for that upside. I don't think the Eagles need to do that necessarily as much. I think I'm going to give them Miles Murphy here, who okay. isn't like overly exciting. I don't think it's a home run kind of pick, and it's probably more of like a trade down, a small scenario here. Yeah, agree there. It's almost like a not. I'm not saying he'll turn into the same player, but it's like a Marcus Smith outcome where the Eagles couldn't get any of the players they like, so they had to trade down. 
and they kind of just and then they can't trade down again yeah, or whatever. And they're like at sixteen or seventeen, they're like, uh, yeah. all right, Miles, so just, Miles Murphy, fine. Take Miles Murphy, all right. it's fine. <laughs> and I don't think it's a terrible pick. I mean, he had thirty six yeah. tackles for loss. The production's there. Thirty six tackles for loss, eighteen and a half sacks, six forced fumbles, five passes, uh, five pass deflections. He has size at six five, two seventy five. Mm-hmm. Um, some of his testing numbers I saw from his pro day, I believe, um, were good. To, you know, take him for what it's worth. He only turned twenty one in January, so he is pretty young. Like that's that's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. He um he so he played his final season at the age of just twenty years old. So um you know I think you could talk yourself into there being upside here, and just from a position standpoint, Eagles value edge rushers. So that's why that's why it's on my board here, and that will round us out in the draft. So Jimmy, here's the full order that we have. Are you ready? Okay, go ahead. All right, so with the first overall pick, pick, Jimmy took Nolan Smith. Then I went with Jalen Carter and Broderick Jones. So we have the big Georgia three at the top three. Mm-hmm. Then Jimmy went with the two cornerbacks, Christian Gonzalez and Devin Weatherspoon. In that order, too. That's how I have it on In that order. And then I went with Peter Skaronsky and Paris mm-hmm. Johnson, two offensive tackles. Jimmy went with Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson, defensive end. And then my final pick was Miles Murphy to round this out. So we have... Four defensive ends, three offensive tackles, one defensive tackle, and two cornerbacks. So um, that's how it shakes out. So let's get to the guys that we didn't take. <laughs> uh, I'll start with Van Ness because we were just on him for a second. Like, so you look, so he was a guy that I was late to the party on. He started popping up on mock. I did not profile him, he wasn't on my radar at all. Like, I do my prospects thing on Saturdays during the regular season never popped up on my radar. Uh, but he's like an athletic freak and there are plenty of highlights out there of him bull rushing guys. So there's two in particular, like he ran over Skaronsky on one play, uh, didn't get a sack, but got to the hit the quarterback as he was thrown. And then there's another one also didn't get a sack, but he ran through didn't knock him down, I don't think. I don't remember. I think, or maybe he did, but Paris Johnson. So he has two, like there are two highlight reel reps of him against two guys that are probably going to get taken in the top 15 of this draft. He's got nothing in terms of pass rush re- repertoire. He's either bull rushing or nothing. It's like, that's, that's all he's got. He's got speed and he's got power, but he doesn't have bend. So like when you watch him try to bend around the edge, forget it. It's not there. Um, if you watch him try to like do counters, uh, once once you get hands on him, like once his first pass rush move is sort of stopped, he's got no, he's got nothing there. So once you have him blocked, that's it. He's not he might get to the quarterback on like a hustle sack or something like that, but he doesn't have a counter move to go off that. So he is very, as you mentioned, like he's very much a like year or two from now kind of guy. Not going to help. I don't think he's going to help much. Uh, to, you know, a team uh, as a rookie. And for me, when you're drafting an edge rusher, you better get a guy that is good enough now to be able to play now. It's not even so much that like you need him to be an immediate contributor. He's be- you just better be good enough to play now, or else he's not good enough to take a 10, in my opinion. So if they were to move back and take him, all right. But I think he's a guy that it, it just boggles my mind how – he's so widely thought of as a top 10 prospect that ju- I just don't see it with him. Yeah. Ben Solak was talking about him on the ringer Philly special. Oh, was podcast. he? Okay. And 
contextualized it well too in terms of like they would bring van ness on the field on like third downs a lot you know, <laughs> okay yeah. trusted him you know like in run defense at all so he was like you know he had pass rushing success but he was also in like favorable situations he was yeah, able yeah, to yeah. play in the prime pass rushing opportunities and there's something to be said for that they trusted him to take advantage of those situations but again didn't start wasn't even like a full-time player it's just very rich with the number 10 overall pick uh so yeah, the other thing too is like the, the the thing that's been noted about him is inside outside versatility mm. and he's 270 something pounds i think 274 and not great like not great against the run so you're not playing him on the interior mm-hmm. on you know early downs it's just gonna get run over he's, he's gonna give up 50 pounds 60 pounds to some interior offensive linemen in the nfl they're gonna, they're gonna steamroll him he put up so, eight, like, he's not uh, he's like he's the inside outside versatility isn't there so much uh, unless you're unless you're talking about him as like moving inside on obvious passing downs, which most NFL pass rushers can move inside and beat guards on obvious passing downs, like that to me that's not like a, it's not like a like a, a very fancy trick to be able to do in the NFL. Like you can move Josh Sweat inside him and he'll beat guards on you know mm-hmm. you can do it with Brandon Graham. I think you can Hassan Reddick you know rushed inside on occasion. He sure. can dust guards. Like it's it's not that it's not that big of a of of a bonus. For a guy to be able to beat guards inside on obvious pass rushdowns, he only put up 17 reps on the bench press, which isn't everything, but uh-huh. that's eight percentile. That's low. So, yeah. And I think that kind of speaks to, you know, not really maybe being trusted in run defense and everything. So, yeah, I'm not really seeing it so much. Um, the other, I, I have two players and then two positions really left on my left off the board list here. I guess okay. we should talk about Bijan Robinson. Sure. <laughs> because I think we covered this in the last podcast and there's been a lot of discourse about him. I know WIP has been, you know, like basically made like the pro Bijan Robinson team and the anti Bijan Robinson team. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just the Eagles aren't going to take him. Like, it's that, like, I. <laughs> it's not even a debate, really. I, again, I don't think I should do this for many reasons. I don't even know if it's like ethical, legal, whatever. I almost, I said this to Jimmy when we were talking about scheduling this podcast. I almost want to tell everyone, like, I'm not saying this, to be clear. I'm saying I almost want to say this. Like, just Venmo me whatever the amount of money you think the <laughs> Eagles, uh, if you think the Eagles are going to take Bijan, Venmo me, like, any amount of money, and I will, like, double the money back to you if they actually do take him. And I get to keep it if they don't take him uh, at number 10, or their first pick, to be clear. If he's at 30, it's, then I think that's, no, it's a different story. It's Yeah, that's, they'll take him at 30, but he won't be there. That would be a push to me in my mind. If they took him at 30, like, yeah, I would give you your money back or whatever. But, again, not an actual offer. Just that's where my, I just don't think it's going to, like, it's not going to happen. It's just not. Like, that's just not how they value that position. I think you should get into your short-term argument because I think that's probably the most argued thing in terms of like, well, it's a different situation, you know, because they can add him and the Peter King, Peter King is out here and, you know, his football morning in America column, yeah. basically making the argument, like, just think about how dangerous the offense would be if you added Bijan. Um, you wrote a big article on phillyvoice.com against Bijan Robinson. And look, it's not an indictment of the player. It's not like no one is saying like Bijan Robinson sucks. That's not what's being said or that like, if the Eagles took him, it wouldn't be fun. That is not like that's those aren't the arguments. It's that it would not be the most anal like from an analysis standpoint, the wisest use of resources. And that's basically what you wrote. Yeah, to be crystal clear, he's awesome. Like there's no doubt. He's the best running back prospect, in my opinion, since Saquon. Saquon was a better pro I think there's some people that think he's better than even Saquon. Mm-hmm. I don't I'm not there. Like Saquon's um 
athleticism, like his measurables, you look back at his, what his measurables was. He was on another level, and Bijan's are good. He's not anywhere close to that level. And they're similar production. Running-wise, Saquon had way better production uh, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Bijan can certainly do that, but Saquon did it more in college. But when I look at, like, the NFL, and I don't I don't know how much of the, the article you read, maybe you know the, the answer to this thing. trivia. Yeah. Okay. So so you already know the, the answer to the trivia question here. How many running backs in the – how many starting running backs in the NFL are 30 years of age or older? And the answer is one. Do you remember who it was? No. Raheem Mostert. No. <laughs> who, like, isn't really – like, he's he has under 500 career carries. Yeah, like, he he's didn't an become outlier. a starter until, like, when? Is like – fifth or whatever like whatever season he's on his uh seventh team in the nfl right now so he's an outlier in terms of a guy that and he'll probably for all i know the dolphins will take a running back and he won't be their projected starter anymore um but he's the only one and then after that there are zero nfl running backs as of you know my published date which was on monday who are even 29 years old the oldest uh after Mostert is derrick henry who's 28.7 and who, by the way, the Titans were more than happy to trade if uh, somebody came around with, uh, you know, any kind of decent enough offer. And then you look at, like, the running backs that have been taken in the first round going back 20 drafts. There have been 30 of them. 30 running backs have t- been taken in the first round in the last 20 drafts. Only five of them are still with the team that drafted them. And the most recent one, Saquon in 2018. And, you know, the Giants... Of course, uh, franchise tagged him this year. They, uh, you know, a year ago, he played on his fifth year option. Pretty good chance he's not going to be on the Giants next year because they were hesitant to give him. They, you know, they, he, mm-hmm. the, you know, the team and Saquon could not come to an agreement on a long term deal. They talked and they, the Saquon wanted X. The Giants didn't want to pay more than Y. So next year rolls around, he's probably hitting the open market. Josh Jacobs got franchise tagged. Or yeah, got franchise tagged this, this past off season. He was they actually did not have his fifth year option picked up uh, by the Raiders. I, I think a year ago, um, so they picked up his franchise tag. Uh, the other guy that got franchise tagged was Tony Pollard, and you know why they didn't? You know all these guys got franchise tagged because nobody wants to give these guys long term contracts, second contracts because the um, the hit rate, not hit rate, but the the recent history on those. Have gone horribly. Mm-hmm. Talk about Devontae Freeman, five years, forty-one million. You know, played like you know another another three seasons for them for the Falcons. Average four yards per carry. They cut him. David Johnson, three years, thirty-nine million. You know, averaged three point seven yards per carry the next two seasons. Houston traded him. Todd Gurley, disaster contract, four years, sixty million. Next two seasons, he averaged three point seven yards per carry. Rams cut him. Zeke, six years, <laughs> ninety million. In 2019, good season in 2019, next three seasons, not good. And, you know, it was very clearly the second best running back on that team the last couple of years behind Pollard. Cowboys cut him, took a dead money hit of $12 million this year. Christian McCaffrey, four years, $64 million, goes on to miss 13 games that season, misses 10 games the next season. Panthers at least got like a decent trade, you know, compensation in return. for They got a two, three, four, and five back for him. But they have a cap hit of 18 million for him on their cap in 2023. So those are f- like the five most recent examples of running backs who, by the way, panned out <laughs> like the, with the teams that drafted them. 
And then just when they got their second contract, just totally fizzled out. That's that's ba- the, the the last like the last running back that went high in the draft where the team, you know, seven, eight years later went, oh yeah, we made the right choice. Adrian Peterson. It's like, that's the last one. And that was a lot. I mean, we're talking like 15 years ago on that. So the long-term value just is there. It's just, it's just not there. You draft a running back in the first round. You can count on that guy being on your team for five, six years tops. And then that's it. When you have Jalen Hurts, so I get like the argument. The Eagles are already good. You add, uh, you know, a stud running back to a team that already has Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard and the best offensive line in the NFL, and this already unstoppable offense becomes even more unstoppable. I get all that. Jalen Hurts is 24 years old. If you think he's going to be anything close to what he was in 2022 for the next 10 to 12 years, well, you should probably get a guy that mirror that whose longevity with the team is going to more closely mirror Hertz's longevity with the team than a guy who's only going to be here until Hertz is like twenty nine or thirty years old. So, for me, like if I think that the the maybe the argument that makes more sense is if you have like if you're the Packers a couple years ago and you know you only have like two or three more years of Aaron Rodgers and. Like you take a running back or like Drew Brees at the end of his career, Tom Brady, you know, with the Buccaneers the last couple of years. If you you know you only have two, three years left of a quarterback, yeah, all right, fine. Go ahead and take a running back high because – and then if when he's gone in five, six years, maybe not as big a deal because you're going to be resetting on anyway at some point. So I don't think that's where the Eagles are at. And certainly the Eagles aren't there. I mean all these arguments aside, the Eagles just don't do it. And they're not going right. to. And the best trick that, that Bo Wolf always says, the best trick that Howie Roseman ever plays is getting people to think that he's going to take a running back or fill in linebacker here, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, early in the first round of the draft. Yeah, not like every year, but like uh, more often than it should. It, it gets discussed. Could this be the – no, it's not the time. And if it is the time, then I will be the first one to say I was wrong. And we'll talk about it when it happens. But until then, like, it's just not even, it's really not realistic. I think there are some people out there, in the media even, who are trying to make it more of a thing than it is. And I don't think it really is a thing. Um, so that's how they, I, I think. They, I think they know it, too. Like, I think they, they know it's not going to happen. But I agree. And look, it, I'm not, I'm not, like, blaming anyone. Like, people yeah. do have, whatever, you know, people do what they got to do. But I'm just yeah, saying, like, yeah. to me, I just don't. Like, oh, like the Eagles are like discussing this. No, they're not. Like, I just, I just don't even think this is a discussion internally. I don't think that it's going to happen. Um, I think you made a lot of good points there. I mean, and um, to steal one here from Bill Barnwell's article from ESPN, what was the last Super Bowl team that had a big money running back on it? You probably can't think of one, right? Maybe Terrell Davis? It was Marshawn Lynch in 2013. Okay. That All is right. like the biggest. Like, so it's been 10 years. Think about Just think about last year. Like the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. Think about the last two times the Eagles have made the Super Bowl. Who would they have in their backfield that was like an elite running back? Miles Sanders no, had mean, a nice year last year. Yeah. Was anyone heartbroken to see him go? No. Everyone thought he signed was- a six million dollar per year deal with the Panthers this offseason. And I thought I think everyone pretty much was on board with him leaving. It was like that was the right call <laughs> yeah, to not right. pay him market value. Yeah. Um Chiefs had freaking Isaiah Pacheco from like what, a seventh rounder or whatever from right. Rutgers? Like you don't. They drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, by the way, in the first round, who is now a backup to the guy they took in the seventh round. Yes, and that was also too with like you know like what the thirty second thirty second pick. pick I think, yeah. And again, I think if you're looking at Bijan at thirty, sure, yes, why not? But 
And I think people have a hard time with that too. They're like, well, at what point does it become, you know, like, are you okay with taking him at 16 and not at 10? No, I probably wouldn't take him like anywhere in the top, maybe like 25 or so, or like around there. I don't know. I don't know where exactly what the cutoff is, but I know 10 is way too high. And I know trading back and getting him still is it's too high. Um, so yeah, the way that I would put that, by the way, like at what point do you, would you be willing to take him? I don't look at it that way. I look at it like you, know, you set your draft board, factoring whatever whatever is you factor in, like uh, positional value, mm-hmm. uh, you know, age, uh, whatever, it is, however it is you set your needs, however it is you set your board. If running back winds up being pretty high on that board, then it's pretty crappy draft probably. And I'm doing whatever I can to trade up for a player that's worth taking or trading back mm-hmm. and trying to get more picks. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> so let's move off Bijan. We both think it's not going to happen. Darnell Wright is an offensive tackle prospect who is off my board entirely after his tweet on <laughs> Monday. Um, he subsequently... Was that a tweet or, dir- or a direct message that went public? Well, sorry. Yeah, the tweet that said... I'm thinking of the tweet that um, was a direct message that he sent to some... Oh, okay. uh, like um, NFL writer or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to read the exact thing. You can look it up if you want to see it. Uh, family podcasts and all. But a long story short, uh, and it might sound silly, but I have, and maybe it's an overcorrection on my part, but I, as I alluded to with Nolan S- Smith earlier and even Devin Witherspoon, I'm all about dogs. And, and like the mentality has to be right, especially going through the Jalen Rager and Andre Dillard experiences, mm-hmm. especially more so with Rager. Like, if someone's like a stone cold loser or there are signs of that, then I'm not going to bet. I just do not want to do have anything to bet with bet on a player like that. And um, I didn't really love Darnell Wright's profile anyway, necessarily to begin with. But when I'm seeing him like calling out media members like that, it just kind of makes me wonder like, okay, I mean, like there's going to be a lot of criticism in Philly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Philly's the wrong city so for that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player. He's uh, and he's got sort of like the versatility that you'd look for in theory, if you're the Eagles and you need you want like a right guard of the present, right tackle of the future, a right guard. Because he W R I G H T. What did I say? No, his his name is Darnell Wright. Oh you, yeah, you, okay. you would be a right guard with a W. Yeah, okay, that'd be a good pun for him. Yeah. But yeah, uh, sort of fits that profile that can play inside uh, initially and then maybe take over for Lane Johnson down the road. And he's a big guy. He's like uh really powerful, you know, can just move guys against their will uh, in the run game. Uh, got better as uh he was like a high, uh, he was like a big time high school recruit coming out and then didn't live up to that initially, but then had a big time breakout year in 2022. There's a game that everyone points to with him against Alabama, where I think it's wildly overstated by the way, where like he just totally destroyed Will Anderson that didn't happen. Like, you know, they each had their share of wins in that game. Uh, he had a no question. Darnell Wright had a good game that day, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a little overstated that he like dominated. Well, and no, he didn't like stop. <laughs> so like, uh, but, he, you know, he had a good game and he had a good season and he's going to be a first round pick. Well, maybe not now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that makes him fall out mm-hmm. of the first round. Who knows? But I mean, uh, I, to the point of I don't it, think like, it will. Somebody, somebody mattering. Else he apologized and then put it out, out there, like, or kind of apologized, whatever. Through D- like his agent clearly got to him. Like, they, yeah, they clearly. Good job, agent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I don't see. I think that would alarm. Uh, uh, I think if, if you're, you know, if, you, if you're 
decision maker in Philadelphia, I think that would alarm you in terms. Of, I mean, the Eagles put a high um, uh, priority on guys that they think can or can't handle the city. Like when they Especially drafted Carson Wentz, but when they when they drafted Carson Wentz, they had like these faux press conferences mm-hmm. that they put that they put all the quarter they had all the quarterbacks in that year to and they they all had them all do that Wentz, Paxton Lynch, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, uh, I forget the others, but there were a bunch of quarterbacks that they brought in for thir- you know top thirty visits. And I mean, we all think of Carson Wentz now as a loser, but apparently like he killed that part of the, uh, the interview process. And you can kind of see like he was, he was polished enough, uh, you know, during interview sessions, didn't say a lot, but you know, you know, he, he knew what he was doing at the podium. Mm-hmm. He and Dak Prescott were the two guys that impressed the team the most, as, as I understand it, uh, when they were looking at those guys that off season. But as you mentioned, like, I think Dillard actually, by the way, did a better job of turning his ear like his, his his antenna lowered uh over time to stop paying attention to what people are saying about him uh yep. rager never did like rager just couldn't help but search his name on twitter and see what people were saying about him especially after like bad games which has been like the worst time you can do it uh so i think the eagles are a little more sensitive about mm-hmm. uh you know drafting guys that that can handle the city whereas you know and if you play for jacksonville or I don't know. Yeah, whatever, whatever smaller city, not as big a deal to to have to worry about that. But in Philadelphia, you certainly do. I, I, some of the messaging, at least, or thought internally after Dillard's slower start was like, well, there could be a transition from where he came from to Philly. So yes, yeah, that was definitely some of the Eagles thinking uh, in there early on. Uh, The last two things I have are positions. I don't know about Mm -hmm. you, but so again, we're talking about first pick. Second yeah. pick, maybe, but first, their first pick, they're not taking a wide receiver to me. I just don't think it's going to happen. I know a lot of people talk about, oh, they need a third guy. And I, I, in theory, yeah, I get that. That would be nice. But I think people are totally missing the mark when it comes to, and this is something I like to say a lot, it's not Madden. It's not Madden. These are human beings with personalities and egos. Yeah. AJ Brown was like visibly frustrated that he didn't have more action. <laughs> In a 38 to 7 playoff winning in multiple Giants, games <laughs> and throughout the year, Devontae yeah. Smith, they made such an effort to, he, he didn't say anything publicly, but they made such an effort after that first game where he had zero catches. He had some targets, but zero yeah. catches. They got him the ball in the very next, the first play of that Vikings <laughs> game. They are, this yeah. is something they are very aware about in managing personalities. And I don't think you're bringing in. And also, I know, like... Even Quez, they had to, like, pull Quez aside and be like, look, man, yes, sorry, we got to yep. get targets. We, I right. mean, we're going to go to A.J. Brown, and we're going to go to Devontae, and we're going to go to Dallas Goddard. You just got to... You got to make... Right. You got to make your opportunities count. But they were very cognizant that yes. he was going to not be happy with getting fewer targets than he did in 2021. Mm-hmm. So even Quez, who, like, fans are like, who cares about Quez? Right. They they were... They made sure to, you know... As, as, how do you say the word? Is it Assage? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. To assage his, you know, mentality and uh, try to keep him engaged in games if the ball wasn't coming his way. So how are they going to take like Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba and be like, "Hey, buddy, <laughs> f off"? Yeah. Let me, like, you know, like, <laughs> like just know your role, like chill out a little bit while we, you know, like I know the Eagles have like two wide receivers, but it, you can't think of it that way in terms of like they have three top targets. It's AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Goddard. 
So yeah. any wide receiver, the wide receiver three is always going to be behind those guys. And, um, and again, you can argue, well, maybe that's a dumb way to manage the team or whatever, but like, regardless if you agree with it or not, I think that's the reality. And I do think it makes sense because again, athletes are human beings. They're not just robots. So I don't think it's as simple as like, oh, we're just going to add another top wide receiver and the offense is going to be awesome and everyone's going to be great with that. I just, they, they already have three major volume targets on the team and I get wanting to have depth and everything, but it just feels to me like they can add a wide receiver at some point a little bit later in the draft and a guy who would kind of fit into at least compete for that quiz role. Um, I just don't see them taking a wide receiver early on. And also to be clear here, like, I don't think any of the wide receiver talent at the top of this draft is like so slam dunk. Uh, like you have to take that guy. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba to be clear. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, if anyone him for me, but like as a whole, I just, I just don't think that that is going to be the move. And I don't think it necessarily is the move in a weird way. He fits just in terms of um, holes in the roster because he's, he's primarily a slot receiver. And when you look at his numbers in 2021 specifically, because uh, he was Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were still on that team. They were both first round picks. Garrett Wilson was the NFL offensive rookie of the year last mm-hmm. year. Chris Olave finished in, in the top five, I believe. But that year, Jackson Smith and Jigba, 95 catches, over 600 yards, nine touchdowns. Wilson had... Uh, 1,058 yards. Chris Olave had 936 yards. So he, he played two more games, Jackson Smith and Jigba, but he still way outproduced two guys who were legitimately really good as rookies in the NFL. So the other part that where he's not a fit, though, I mentioned the 95 catches. Mm-hmm. He is a high-volume slot guy. Yep. And as you mentioned, like if you have a game where Jackson Smith and Jigba gets – 12 targets and AJ Brown gets four <laughs> again, like how's that going to go over, you know? And they, I mean, if they win, winning solves everything, but sure. And that was a big part of last year to that point. <laughs> like they, they were winning a lot and some of this stuff yeah. was still kind of popping no up. Adversity. <laughs> and you can't just count on going 14 and three every year to be your best franchise <laughs> right. record ever. Like even if you go 10 and seven or whatever, it's still a good year. Like it's just, it's something you have to have on your radar. So, like, if you took, like, a Jalen Hyatt, for example, more of a low-volume receiver, but with insane speed and can stretch the field, mm-hmm. sort of like what Quez Watkins is supposed to do for sure. you, but also make the plays down the field when they come to you, like, that kind of guy fits. And also, but a high-volume guy, tougher to fit fit in for the reasons that you're noting here, but... With that said, he is awesome. Like he gets separation, sure. Like like no other receiver in this draft. Actually, the guy that I think is sort of like um, uh, an under discussed guy. Like if they were to trade way back, or even if he somehow like fell to thirty, is Jordan Addison from play for Pitt and USC because he's got inside outside versatility. Mm-hmm. He also have nothing in terms of depth at wide receiver because they're number three yes. is Quez, who we both agree had a bad year. And then there's nothing after them. So I, I do think they're going to have to take a wide receiver at some point. I agree. If he's there at 30, I could absolutely see that guy sure. being a target for sure. like, you know, starting slot, but can also play outside if one of your top two guys get hurt. Assuming I think also the, like the mentality, the football character checks out. Like, is this a guy who's unselfish, who's willing yeah. to accept his role? There's, 
things that have been heard maybe about Jackson Smith and Jigba would not indicate to me that that is is, right. Okay. And I'm not trying to knock him (laughs) for that. I'm just saying, I don't think that's the right fit in terms of his personality. I think he's more of like an alpha. And you want that from a wide receiver. You want them to want the ball. Yeah, I agree. I'm not, again, I'm not knocking him, but I'm just saying it's not the right fit here, especially in the value. It just, it doesn't add up. So I don't think that's going to happen. And then the last one I had is tight end. They're not taking a tight end. I mean, I don't think anyone's doing this. Yeah. And I don't even know if they're going to take one in round one. I know people have talked about like Darnell Washington or whoever there at the end of the first round. People like to say, well, Dallas Goddard, the current age he was, that's when they drafted him. Uh, or when that's the age that Zach Ertz was when they drafted mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard. And my thing with that is like, like, do you really want to recreate that? Are we forgetting that like... Yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> that wasn't really a great... I mean, the offense got worse each year, basically, when they drafted <laughs> yeah. him. They used so much 12 personnel. It's not only that the fault of that, I think, but I think there was a factor there where it's like, oh, we have these two guys, and we kind of have to play them, and they're running this garbage 12 personnel offense, yeah. and it, it did... Like, I just, I, this idea of 12 personnel is this thing that it's like... It's, like a, it's a myth to me. It, I was so out on the Patriots when they signed Hunter Henry and um, Johnny Smith, uh-huh. everyone was like, yeah. Belichick does it again. He's, he's like playing 40 <laughs> chess. He's getting ahead of this. 12 personnel is going to be huge. No, that didn't work out at all. They just cut yeah. Johnny Smith or whatever. Um, no, don't overthink it. You want more wide receivers on the field. I know Jack Stoll isn't like the most amazing backup to have, but with the talk that this is going to be a good tight end draft class too, it feels like they might be able to get one somewhere, but they don't have to take one super early on. And I just don't think that's the best use of resources. I don't think anyone, again, is taking them, having them take one with their first pick. Um, but I'm Eagles also love them some Jack Stoll, by the way. That's you, true. Like, you know, they, they, that's a guy that like they definitely like more than the fan base. I mean, not even, I don't think the fan base has any opinion one way or the other about that guy, but that's a guy that like, when when they were resting guys mm-hmm. at the end of the year in 2020, even in 2021 when he was an undrafted rookie, they didn't play him. Mm-hmm. So like that's sort of what they 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 see him as in terms of, uh, I mean not not obviously nowhere near the level of importance of all the names that we all know and love uh, in the Eagles offense, but they view him as an important enough piece as a blocker at that tight end spot that you know that guy's going to be on the team for a while and then they of course just drafted Grant Calcaterra mm-hmm. who had you know sort of um his rookie year stalled a little bit in training camp because he didn't, he got hurt a couple you know, like an assortment of injuries in training mm-hmm. camp uh but you know he made a few plays here and there when when he got his opportunities he earned his spot on the roster yeah but those two guys are are sort of like opposites where Calcaterra has some receiving chops can't block whereas Stoll can block doesn't have much in the way of receiving chops so um, I don't know, but yeah, the, the, those are, those are the backups right now. And I, I, I'm with you. They're certainly not going to take one in the first round. The, the uh, Darnell Washington talk is weird to me. It's just, he's big. Like he's, he's a huge human being. And I think that's sort of like his appeal. I get it. Like he's got, um, all kinds of upside or whatever, but they're not taking that guy with the, with the 30th over. It's going to be like a lineman or a, you know, a useful down the, down the, you know, down down the line piece or a guy that can help media or whatever, but tight, tight end. I just, I don't see that at all either. I didn't even think that was really a consideration. Don't overthink it. Like no more like, Oh, yeah. what if we did <laughs> yes. just like, no, I think you can just do the thing that makes a lot of sense and draft these, you know, not there, there are times where I think it's nice to think outside the box. I'm not saying never do that, but don't always do it. And um, I just feel like with running back and tight end and receiver to some extent, there's like, there's decent enough guys, I think, on day two, day three, where you can get someone more help at this position. And guys who, again, 
will to the darn like to the second tight end point and why the Eagles like stole so much is because he knows his role. He's willing to accept his role. Like they want guys like that who are going to yeah. be um you, you can't just literally have stars who cuz some of these stars think they're too good for like blocking or playing special mm-hmm. teams or whatever. Um you can't just that's not how a roster works. That's just you don't build like that's it's not built like that. It's just it's not how it happens. So let's cover one more position. Okay. Uh well line two more. Linebacker is not gonna happen because they just they're just it's just not a good linebacker draft. Like mm-hmm. in some years we're talking about never gonna happen drafting a running back in the first round. Most years it's a linebacker that fills that role for us. Right. <laughs> like in April. Uh but safety, I think, is an interesting one. Also a position they don't prioritize. But if they moved far enough back from 10 like if they went back into like the 20s maybe then maybe a guy like brian branch uh from alabama it would make some sense in that you know he can play you know corner safety um sort of a a guy that's been comped quite a bit to chauncey gardner johnson who of course the Eagles just lost um and they haven't needed safety so i could see that guy maybe being um a rare first round safety pick uh, for the Eagles, again, if they did mm-hmm. move far enough back. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, any final thoughts, James? It is a gorgeous week this week, buddy. I know I got plans. What are you doing? I'm figuring out my schedule. Okay. So I don't know yet, but uh, definitely will be trying to take advantage of the nice weather. Hopefully everyone can do the same. Maybe, you know, listen to BGN Radio while you're taking yeah. a walk. Or something. Uh, so I'm gonna try. I don't know if I'll be able to do it or not, but I'm I'm gonna go to LBI Ooh. Uh, on Thursday, and I'm gonna walk a marathon. So ah. my plan is to walk from Surf City to, to Barnegat Light, nice. Barnegat, the, the lighthouse, and then walk back to Surf City, charge my phone, and then walk to Holgate from there. Which is uh, that walk in its entirety would be like 27 miles, something like that. So wow. Uh, it's a big one. Bang that out. So I don't know. Ready? I don't know if I'll be able to do it or not. But yeah, it's a big... probably my feet will just be in too much pain uh, by the time I get to like mile twenty. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt that on Thursday. Well, keep us updated. I feel like you have to tweet uh, your progress to some right. extent there. Maybe like that. you know at the check-in points, like at the halfway, like from sure. when you get from one side of the island to the other, or if you have to tap out at some point. Um, <laughs> you know, make sure you're. you're That's hydrated. like that'll that'll give me some account. I don't like that'll give me accountability and actually probably sure. will. I, like if I were to do that, I just wouldn't quit because I'm right. I'm stupid, too embarrassed. Yeah, I'm just too and dumb, and uh, I, like it wouldn't matter how injured I was, I would just do it, and and I'd probably you know set myself back like a couple months. That's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, make sure you hydrate, wear some good oh, shoes. Sure. Uh, I'm gonna have a lot of pasta and rice the day before. Carb. Starch it up. Nice. I was thinking of the office when he said, "Yeah, that. The, yeah. The, the the what do you have like the, uh, the rabies uh, fettuccine? Yeah, yeah, the rabies <laughs> run and yeah, like down in fettuccine like a minute fettuccine before, Alfredo. That's what it was before going on a run. Oh, it sounds that sounds so horrible. Oh, um, all right. This has been BGN Radio three one seven. I guess I don't have the final thought. Final thought is uh, I'm, we're recording this right before the NFC East mixtape. So if you don't listen to that podcast uh, with RJ Ochoa and me, you should also listen to that one um, and everything else here in the Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed. Rate, review, subscribe, uh, follow Jimmy Kemsky and me on Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Kemsky, at Brandon Gowton, at Bleeding Green, 
for the Twitter BGN account at Bleeding Green Insta for the BGN's Instagram account where we have some podcast content and other stuff there. Um, a lot of good draft shows here in the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed with Shane Half and his crew. Um, a lot of good things coming your way from us still to come, including our final Eagles seven round mock drafts the week of the draft, which is only a couple of weeks away here now. Uh, it'll be here before we know it. And then while we'll the schedule, things are rolling along. Um, we appreciate you rocking with us. Check us out at bleedinggreennation.com, phillyvoice.com. Check out our sponsors, righttosellin.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. And Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and roachrealtors.com. You can contact her if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house by contacting this phone number. 856-906-9295. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. BGN.